Welcome to the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective on the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have my boy J.O. here in a place to be while we go ahead and break down yet another classic album in front of us here today. Pleased to have you join me today, J.O., as we break down yet another classic album. And of sure, course, always a pleasure. yes, sir. And as always, our motto here at the Vault Classic Music Reviews is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics or MBTC. And today we go all the way back once again to 1995, to that summer of 1995 and bring you none other than Bone Thugs and Harmony, East 1999, a turtle, their debut full length LP. And their second project that came out to the masses, which was released the year before, which was 1994, which was Creeping on a Come Up, which everyone remembers very, very well on the song that everybody got a chance to know Bone Thugs and Harmony from, which was Thuggers, Ruggers, Bone, and then For the Love of Money. It was an EP, um, an eight song EP that many of us stuck with. And I know I wore my tape deck out when I first had that album. And this was the first full length project on LP. Just to sort of talk about as far as the influence that you have with Bone Thugs and Harmony, a lot of things definitely changed around the time that they came out. And rap was in a really interesting place around that time. They were the first rappers that I knew from Cleveland that came out and did things. Like, <laughs> I don't know of any other rappers that came out that represented Cleveland and represented that part of the Midwest, but they were a change because of their style. It was something that widely hadn't been known to the rap public and to rap fans around. So East 1990 Eternal released July 25th, 1995, recorded August 1994 to June 1995, was recorded at the famous Tracks Recording Studios in Los Angeles, California, runtime of uh, 71 minutes and 52 seconds in its re-release. The ex- original explicit version was 68 minutes and six seconds. The label, you know it well, Ruthless Records and Relativity Records, and of course, the executive producer on this, the late, great, and soon departed Eazy-E at that particular time. This album came out in July of 1995. Eazy-E died in March of 1995 from complications of AIDS, and he died with this album getting ready to go to print and being released out in the industry but he died and never got a chance to see his protégés release their full-length album. Also, executive producer DJ Unique for this project. DJ Unique, of course, also produced all of the tracks on Creepin' on a Come Up, and he also produced all of the tracks here and also collaborated with Kenny McLeod and Tony C as producers on a few tracks here uh, on East 1990 Eternal. This is what we have here, Jay Bone, uh, their full-length album here, East 99 Eternal. And, of course, this uh, title of this was used as far as, like, as a portmanteau between the Cleveland East Side neighborhood, which Bone came from, which is East 99th Street, and St. Clair Ave, where the group was based at. And they were using it pretty much to talk about 
at that time, which would be the future year of 1999. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so this album came out and, uh, and during that summertime, and there were a few smash singles that came out from this. Number one, of course, everybody knows well the first of the month, which came out that summer, and the music video that came out with this. And then also the other single that came out was the East 1999 title track, which was on this album. But then the third single was the biggest one out of all of them and is probably their biggest single ever, which was The Crossroads. That is their signature song, the song that people will know both Thugs and Harmony Bomb, even bigger than Thugs, Ruggish Phone and For the Love of Money. I think that the mythology of that is also goes towards the video that they had for this song as well, because uh, as we all both remember being and watching the box, we all remember that this album, this, that song and that video was on I don't know, probably like 15, 20 times a day. Every time you turned around, that video was on. And the imagery that was used in that video and the different people that were mentioned there, and of course, this was an ode and a tribute to Eazy-E, and you saw his imaging in the video as well, being as though he had passed away just the year before then. East 99 Eternal J, just to sort of go through it, if we can just sort of take a trip back into memory lane, this is right here in our wheelhouse for our generation um, we were pretty much at the same particular time at that time. I think you were you were a year ahead of me, so you were about to head into high school, and mm-hmm. you a, cla- a member of the class in 1999, and you know me getting ready to head into my eighth grade year. So just sort of give me an idea as far as like one, you know, your sort of I guess your opinion on Bone as a rap group and as an act, and then your opinion on this album when you first heard it back then, and then as time has gone on, how your opinion on it has changed if it has changed at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, Bone, I mean, I think, you know, definitely have they've really cemented their place as far as like, you know, a unique group within hip hop history as far as like that rapid fire staccato sound and, you know, just like the harmonies they put along with it, you know, like I didn't realize so like years later, like, you know, they was actually beefing with three six mafia as far as like who mm-hmm. originated their style. Yeah. So like I I heard it and live by your rep, I was like, damn and like then I heard like some like their older like three sixes older material. Yeah. And I could definitely hear that how similar it sounded yeah uh but i mean just with the way bone thugs did it like you know i personally don't think it was i don't think it was a matter of them like stealing his style or anything like that it just it was just like very similar yeah but um with the way bone did it i mean bone did their style and everything like that and it came out with thuggish ruggish bone and just like for the love of money and like you were saying and um even like i just think back to the original creeping on the come up like down for my thing like just like the production all there yeah just how that all came together but and we also say, like, as far as this album's concerned, yeah, I would have to say, like, my biggest concern, like, you know, during the summer of 95, when I heard this was going to drop, I mean, by the time it dropped, we had all heard first of the month. Yeah. But, uh, like, you know, and I was like, okay, you know, the Shane Bangs or whatever like that. And, like, I, and going back to, like, you know, how we weren't really aware of what songs to talk about, I didn't realize that was like, that was like a welfare anthem pretty much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So not, not, not to sound trying to sound some type of way against anybody that was getting a check back then but like i just didn't know like you know that's what they were talking about it was just like harmonized really well it was just a banging drink you heard on the radio and like on the box and yo mtv raps everywhere you know it was just like a banging song but then apart from that my concern was like you know easy had just passed away it's like it's like okay are they going to be able to keep up that momentum yeah you know was that like a leftover track that was like right maybe like just produced right before he passed away so then i bought the joint and I won't say blown away, but I was like really pleasantly surprised as far as like, you know, them still keeping that momentum up yeah. and keeping up everything as far as like, you know, you know, everything with the themes of the album. Cause like, you know, along with that thing, like along with that, um, Sam Brown, like, you know, 
you know, the whole controversy, like, with Easy Pass was when Tamika Wright took over the label. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it fired all these acts and did all these changes. So my main concern, not so much knowing, like, all the logistics of it, but, like, okay, are they going to try to make them switch it up? Is it going to be somebody, like, totally from left field that's going to try to, like, screw everything up? But, no, nah, they definitely kept it true to, like, how they really are and the content and the lyrics, the style, you know, everything was still Bone Thugs and Harmony despite Easy e passing away. So, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, definitely what they, was, what they were brought to the table. I mean, I really... I mean, I was really rocking with it, mm-hmm. you know, back then. And like now, you know, I almost had to change a heart, but you know, it's kind of creepy, like thinking about the stuff they was talking about then back then, like Ouija Bulls, Mo Murder, and like you know yeah. mm-hmm. how some of those tracks sound, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. But I, yeah, yeah, that's just what I was thinking about back then. You know, when it was like when it first dropped and everything, they just make sure they kept that continuity that they had when it was with Easy E. So, but I definitely think that was something they were able to accomplish on this release. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And to me, like when I first heard of Bone. That was in the summer before I was on my way to middle school going into the seventh grade. And that's when Douglas Ruggish Bone and For the Love of Money came out. What I noticed is they immediately became very popular with, especially folks in our age group and our generation. And what I noticed is that how influential were they? Immediately, people started growing bushes and cornrows. True. <laughs> like, I don't know where it was differently, like where you went to school around your neighborhood. But it seemed like to me, right when they came out, it seems that's when everybody started rocking cornrows and started True. rocking them heavy. And what I loved about Bone is the fact that, again, their style sounded original. And yes, there was some beef between them and 3-6 Mafia. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. in the same year, in 1995, Mystic Styles, the classic 3-6 Mafia album that came out, which was their debut studio album, came out and the Live By Your Rep was a Bone disc. And Bone at other times is subliminally or not so discreetly has this 3-6 Mafia back. But to me, I never really took the link between the two of them and said, oh, well, Bone is biting off a 3-6 Mafia or 3-6 Mafia is biting off a Bone because there was really two different type of styles. Was it a little similarities toward them? Sure. Yeah, there was. But I never really kind of, I looked at them as sort of two distinct different entities. The only thing I think that kept the real similarities between Bone and 3-6 Mafia was the fact that they both did horrorcore rap. And that was it. That was pretty much it. They both rapped about similar type of things, those things about the occult. You know, those same type of themes. But listening to it, though, I was really just the fact that you had guys. And again, I didn't know that they said that they were from Cleveland. I wouldn't have never guessed that they were from Cleveland. I would have thought they were pretty much straight out of the West Coast because of the the way that the music was. As we mentioned, DJ Unique was the one who produced a lot of their tracks, the entirety of this album, along with Tony C and Kenny McLeod. But it was very like G-Funk based, very West Coast funk based. It was like, and you see, they did the entire album in California. Now, I was a little bit concerned, too, once I found out that Easy passed away about whether this album would actually be able to live up. And once you get an EP that's that fire, right, you're one LP that's going to be equally as fire. Well, when this came out, we hear the singles, you know, first of the month. And then when this came out, I think I heard this when I went back to school because I borrowed it from a friend when I went to school, when I was in middle school, when I heard it. I had to listen to it, of course, with my headphones on because I couldn't blast that out loud. (laughs) But I was, again, like you said, pleasantly surprised that they kept the momentum up. And the production was great. I mean, DJ Unique does a great job of it. The themes were consistent with what they did before on Creeping On to Come Up. And the stars of the group did their thing. Everybody from Lazy to Crazy 
to Vizzy, Wish putting in his things. Flesh and Bone is only on a couple of songs on here, but the song that he was on, he definitely did his thing. And it kind of all made it come together. This is a full-length album that kind of gave you a little bit more of what you were looking for on Creeping on the Come Up. And if you were a hardcore Bone fan, this gives you everything that you wanted. And to me, I don't necessarily think I was a hardcore Bone fan, but I could respect what it is that they did because it wasn't just them rapping fast. They were actually spitting like real type stuff. And leading up from Creeping on a Come Up, you hear that, but then you hear them on tracks like The Points. You hear them on other guest spots and stuff leading up to that. And it's just like, yo, these dudes, they not not playing around. Like, they actually got some skill with them, yo. Like, it's crazy. Like, yeah, you you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, when I I go back and listen to The Points, like, you know what I'm saying, especially like Bones part on that song, like, Crazy Bone just like obliterated that track, dude. Yeah, like, and they closed I, the track I, out. <laughs> yeah, like and, uh, I'm not sure. Was it was it DJ Unique that produced that track? Or was it I, somebody else? I think uh, Easy Mo B produced a version of that track. So okay, Easy, yeah, I, I think mean, there's Easy Mo B, and then I believe also there was a D- DJ Unique remix to it as well. I had the actual single of the points, and there was like four or five different versions on there, yeah, and all was, of them I were all of them were fire. And Bone definitely crushed it because they closed out that radio version or the popular version of it, they closed that track out. All four of them went in and went in on that track to close it out. It's like, there's no better way you could have closed that track out. Definitely. And like, and that's what I'm saying. Like with that, it just makes me think about crazy bones verse on there, especially yeah. like that engineer <laughs> knew what he was doing. Like with, especially like, you know, he just like crazy, just like spazzed out and like the beat just dropped out. Like, yeah. dude, you just, yeah. It, it almost brings a tear to your eye. Like how yeah, beautiful that you exactly. put together. Exactly. Yeah. So you get those type of things. And then to be able to hear that, it's just like, oh man, these, these guys are going places. Then when you get to the singles like East 1999 and then the crossroad, of course, which, you know, the original crossroad that was on the album wasn't the one that was on the original release, but right. they had to eventually during the re-releases put the single on there because that song was their biggest hit that they've had. And it's a song that won them their first Grammy. You know, won them a Grammy in 1997 and rightfully so, because it was a huge, huge song. And the video helped to make the mythology of the song with the message they were trying to portray. So, uh, again, vividly. Yeah, me too, man. The whole thing about, you know, Uncle Charles falling out on the um, (laughs) on the porch with Wish. And then the fact that the baby went up to the mountaintop and the guy took off his coat with the angel wings and right. you see that last vision of easy and it's just like yeah it kind of all brought it all together man i have to agree with you though the whole thing about you know some of the occult things they were talking about like you know the thing about ouija boards and everything but that was that was part of their appeal like that really was a part of their act and i think when easy was trying to develop them it was something that they had but they knew that there's a crowd out there that's going to be, I mean, as strange and as weird as it may be and unsettling mm. as it may be, there are people out there who love horrorcore rap who love stuff like that. And if you're a fan of that type of stuff and you're a hardcore fan, like I think about all the big horrorcore rap, you know, artists, folks like Tech 9 and folks like 3-6 Mafia and Bone, like their fans are as loyal of any fan bases out there. Like any yeah, three definitely. of those folks that I talk about, they have loyal fan bases. So it is a bit unsettling, but... That's oh, what yeah, I and like on, even on like on the West Coast, like, you know, with Brother Lynch, huh? Yeah, Brother Lynch, familiar with his, yeah, like oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, hell, even with, even though I'm not really a fan of, like the Juggalo aspect, of, like ICP. I mean, they were they're part of that as well. Yeah, like, ICP. Like, yeah, they definitely, they definitely have like loyal fan bases. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so but that's what pretty much what it was, man. And heading into middle school, like definitely bone ran my middle school years. Heading into high school though, 
You know, it was a little bit of a different story, but this definitely they had a great two or three year run heading in with this album. And this album actually sold four million copies, which is still their best selling album to this date. And it was on the, the Billboard 200 for two consecutive weeks and it was nominated for a Grammy for best rap album, but lost. You want to take a guess what they lost to for best rap album? What was this? 90, this was 95, so it would have been. It would have been the 96 Grammys. Oh, 96 Grammys. So I'm trying to think. Who would it have been? I'm trying, I'm trying to like really take myself back to. <laughs> I, I I don't want to say Coolio, but I don't know why that that name is popping in my head right now because I think about like, that was like around when Gangsta's Paradise came out. Yeah, but... yeah, you're close though. You're close. Oh, God, who they was it? Who they was it? they lost to Naughty by Nature's Poverty's Paradise. That was Ooh. the and this was the first best rap album award given at the Grammys in 1996. So. <laughs> it was um it's crazy that they lost to that one we had, I actually did an episode earlier this year on poverty's paradise and that was a great album but you know it, you know what are you going to say right you know but i mean you can't really take much away from naughty because i do think that was actually an exceptional album for them as well to draw any parallels i do believe that that was probably them right around their heights and at the end of their heights and i'll say that for bone as well so but yeah, so now we're gonna yeah, so now we're gonna get into like the highlights and lowlights, things that we liked and what we didn't like. So I'll just go with you, Jay. Just a few highlights of the tracks that you liked on here, and then any lowlights for you if you have any. Yeah, with no bias in this whatsoever. Of course, East East nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, I was class ninety nine. True, true, that is true. But um, <laughs> indeed, I figured that was a favorite of yours. Yeah, because I mean, like, I mean, because I think I might have said this on another podcast. Like, I remember it was like a, a presentation, like our auditorium and like our senior year. And like the way it was like, I think it was like modern dance. It's like these girls was like doing all these dance drinks, like hip hop tracks. And it started the journey off like it's 1990, The place went crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but along with that, I mean, the video, I mean, the video for the journey was cool, too. So like, yeah, especially Busy Bones part. And then like, you know, I was like really pleasant, pleasantly surprised to hear Flesh spitting his verse on there. So. Yeah, I mean it just like it just all came together really well for that track, and then yeah, first of the month, uh, and then Buddha Lovers, mm-hmm. and then like I remember like for some reason I just could not stop listening to like Down Seventy One to Getaway back in the day, and I still rock with it now. Like yes, sir, just the way that joint comes together, like that sinister ass beat to it, and then mm-hmm. even the intro and everything like that. Busy Bone just like just more or less just shine on that joint. Like mm-hmm. you really felt like you was in the mind like some criminal minded dude, like to just like put in work. So yeah. Definitely props to them as far as like you know putting that on there. Low lights. I, w- I don't even want to say it's a low light per se, but just the fact like you know I feel like the crossroads we know that blew up should have been on the album originally. Yeah. Like because I remember like you know having the joint, having the album back then, and then hearing like you know it's all about the crossroads. I hear that later on. I'm like man, why wasn't this on the album? Like yeah, you know right exactly. This, I went back and think, hold, oh, did I miss this joint? Like mm-hmm. sure enough, I me mean, crossroads is on there, and that joint had like a more drab type of sad tempo to it. Like yeah. and maybe that was putting I think that was putting there for easy, you know, because seeing how he had just passed like yeah. recently. But you know what I'm saying? I just wish they would have put like the one we all know, the one that blew up on the album. So that's only like low light I could say as far as like you know this release, but. I mean, that's pretty much what I could say as far as I can't think of any other lowlights for it. I mean, oh, I do want to bring up another, another highlight, like shots to the double Glock. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I felt I felt the energy of that track. I didn't, didn't even know that was a dog pound disc, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> um, it's crazy the things you find out after the fact, you know what I'm saying? That, that these right. rappers are beefing with each other, you know, and you have no idea. Like, I didn't know it was either until like, oh, damn, they were they were dissing the dog pound. OK. All right. 
I mean, it makes sense because I mean that would have been like around the time Easy would still be from with Dre and yeah. Death Row and like yeah, and Snoop, you know, yeah. Dad's a corrupt, yeah, Snoop and yeah, I won't say Dad's a corrupt. I mean, I say to a lesser extent, Dad's a corrupt with getting involved, but what well, they did make something more like BG Knockout and Dre. So I wouldn't have thought they would have it would have come over to Bone Thugs. You know what I'm saying? The way they would have had to shoot back at them, like figuratively yeah. speaking. So yeah, but nah, yeah, definitely I mean, for them having Easy's back, I know they were definitely trying to diss people and I guess on the lowest totem folks on the totem pole if you're gonna diss anybody who had a problem with easy then dog pound is the lowest dudes on the totem pole you probably gonna (laughs) want to get at because you're not gonna diss Dre you're not gonna Mm -hmm. diss Snoop (laughs) and you're not gonna diss Shug Knight so (laughs) I would say I would have said OFTB but that's mm-hmm. definitely going to, that, that, that would have resulted in blood being shed. So, yeah, exactly. play it safe with this now. So, like, right, exactly. Yeah, nah, nah, play it safe in that particular, you yeah. know, but yeah, nah, definitely. So, my highlights definitely East 1999, mm-hmm. uh, uh, down 71. I got to agree with you. The way that track, just the way the beginning with the court hearing and the fact that you've been sentenced to death by electric chair and that sinister beat. And, like you said, all of them really get their man busy. Lazy, crazy, all of them really get their man on that. Uh, Bud Smokers Only. I love No Shorts, No Losses. I really love that beat, and I love the way that it sort of just kind of rides. Like, I love the mm-hmm. fact that Unique in his production on this really kind of sticks to his West Coast roots because even with the rapping style of Bone, it all kind of works together. Buddha Lovers and Mo Murder. I love that Mo Murder track and love that they took the second part where they redid Mr. Ouija, which came from Creeping on a Come Up how they right. took that line of Mo Murder and then flipped that sample into the beat to make that an actual song. And then shots to the double Glock. And it was kind of good to be able to see, you know, Poetic Hustlers and Graveyard Shift on there. I don't think they really stand out, but I don't think they take away from the song either. But you hear so much about Poetic Hustlers and Graveyard Shift, like that last line that was done by uh, Lazy on uh, on the first of the month, and it was good that they were actually able to get their folks on here. Like you know, Poetic Hustlers, Graveyard Shift, Mo Thugs are all like bone affiliates that ended up and contributing things a little bit later on down the road. And to me, I didn't think that their con- contributions ever kind of lived up to what you know their affiliates were. And it yeah. was sort of like the sort of like the same thing. Like it was kind of like the opposite of what Woo and all of the Woo affiliates, like Sons of Man and Grave Diggers mm-hmm. and. Uh, Gambino, Killer Army, you know, like to me, I didn't think that their affiliates did, you know, the original group justice, at least a little little bit later on. But those are my. I will say to that. Yeah. I will say to that. I mean, as far as like, because I always got a shout out, Woo. I do wish I could could have seen more from like Deadly Venoms. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because like they would, I just felt their delivery. But as far as that, I mean, like I said, it just goes to the point like they never really, they never really like lived up to the potential as far as like that initial group. So like in this case, Bone and. Really, the, I guess you could say the whole Mo Thugs family for real, for real. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, but down seventy one, definitely there. Myth the bill collector, the the mm. notice this, the message in that too was a little crazy though. And like, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the one thing I kind of always have to give Bone credit for is the fact that the themes and that the title of the songs are necessarily what you're thinking about what the songs are going to be about. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is a great project. Low lights. If I have to sign, kind of say. Low lights, I guess, like some of the skits themselves, like me killer and the Ouija, Mr. Ouija, Ouija thing is kind of creepy. in the fact we talked yeah. about this earlier, the fact that, you know, they talk about Ouija boards and 
stuff like in the occult, which is all just kind of stuff. It's just like, damn, like, yo, <laughs> like, really, dog? Like, I don't think we're supposed to be messing around with stuff like that, dude. Like, right. <laughs> and you didn't think about it as much as like when you was a child, but now that we adults going yeah. back and listening to this, man, I ain't yeah. going nowhere near Ouija board. Nah, like, no way. No way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I remember that some friends of mine said that by listening to Bone, they actually got into a Ouija board and something really crazy happened. So you want to know what they did? Took that joint and threw it in the trash can. Good <laughs> job. Like, Yo, Good job. You should have never picked it up in the first place. That's not something you want to be messing with. Like, not at all. That just creeps me out all the way. Mm-hmm. But nah, man, just really good stuff. DJ Unique and Tony C and Kenny McLeod all kind of did things. Michael Powell also helped to produce uh, first of the month as well. And uh, but really great production on here to me. It kind of makes me think about, I mean, shoot, Cleveland. Yeah, so somewhat. But I mean, for the most part, it makes me think about everything West Coast. I mean, Watts, Crenshaw, everything. South Central, Compton, Long Beach is really just really G funked out vibe. And for me, I think it was the last little bit of time. I think when we had that G funk sound where it was still relevant and accepted, because I think at that point it was starting to die out a little bit because rap was starting to go in a little bit of a different direction. I think really using those type of production tools and using them to complement Bone's style and Unique has been with them for their first three albums, it really was a match made in heaven because I think he got them in the style of what they were trying to do. And it's not easy to be able to make rap beats for someone who they do lyrics and they harmonize while they're rapping as well. I mean, it's, it's hard to have to be able to do. And like I said, I was pleasantly surprised because uh, I listened to it this week and I ran back to memories all the way back to 95 and thinking about all the great music that came out because I was still listening to a few other albums that came out this year. And here comes this album to introduce itself. And that was the one that got put in the take that when the homies were around. Right. So just to sort of talk about this whole thing. Now, we talked about it a little bit earlier after this album to me is, I think, when the problem sort of came up. Like We talked about like when Tamika Wright took took over Ruthless after Easy passed away. After this, they came out with The Art of War. After this, you also had solo albums, one particular by Busy Bone, another one by Crazy Bone. And uh, people started doing solo solo acts, and then they came back together on Bone Thugs and Harmony's Resurrection in 2000. But they started losing their momentum after that. And I think at that point, what I think is that the no- novelty f- like wore off a little bit. And I think at that, like at that point, like we kind of thought Bone had originated this fast rapping thing, which they didn't. Um, they definitely innovated it. But but that time, everybody started rapping fast. You had Twister, and then we found out at that particular time, Twister was the fast rapping king. Like there was nobody right. who could touch him. Not even anybody from Bone. Not even Crazy Bone. And he even just Bone Thugs too. So yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. On, a, yeah, on, a, on his joint, on the Speed Down Mobsters joint, like he dis Bone, like you know, mm-hmm. like. So that just goes to show that influence. And, oh, and I just and thought about like you know as far as like solo re- solo releases. I mean, Flesh dropped a solo joint too. Yeah, he did in 1996. He did. Yeah, that joint, that and that joint was banging. So like it was, and, and that, like, that was like right before you went to jail too. So yeah, I mean, and that, that goes kinda, back to what you were saying as far as like his like troubles and everything. He was troubles. in jail for like about, about 12 years or something. Yeah, man. And the thing is, like, I never really understood. Like, we never got more contributions from him him on the bone you know, releases. Like I've never really done the research to see why before he was incarcerated, like why he wasn't on more of the tracks. Cause the tracks that he was on during those first two projects, I mean, he definitely brought it every time he was on the track. And it was just like, I always wanted to hear more from him. I always, like if I could have heard more from flesh and less from wish, then I'd have been okay. (laughs) Not to say the wish is bad, (laughs) not to say that wish is bad, but you know, I think everybody has their place in a group, but I would have loved to have heard more flesh on some Bone Thugs tracks 
in those particular times because I always thought whenever he contributed, he did a great job. You know, now nah, this is like it's just like just what you were saying. Like it just seems like everybody like I don't want to say had an info wish, but like mm-hmm. everybody like felt like he was like the weakest link. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Yeah, I mean, well, he- I'm not saying I'm not saying like he outshined anybody else's group. I'm, I'm not. He definitely contributed, in my opinion. I just don't yeah. feel like he was as weak as he was making him out to be. I definitely would have wanted to hear more from Flesh, you know, back then. And I mean, like I said, we had a whole solo album from Flesh. I guess that was kind of like him, like making up out. for that. But yeah, yeah. I definitely would have wanted to hear more collabs with him and the rest of the group. So like, oh, yeah. and it just made me think that Brian, like you know, as far as like troubles, like how it was just like a perfect storm as far as like you know things like going downhill. Because I mean, like I said, like Easy passing. Tamika Wright's turning like taking over the label rather and like things turning upside down and then like you know right after Crossroads like the whole and it, which also dropped in 96 was like the Mo Thugs compilation so yeah who's to say like you know had Easy still been around like he would have been able to like to really like spearhead that project and you know kind of like make a new or something like equivalent like you know like how Death Row had their had their hierarchy as far as like so many yeah. artists coming out and mm-hmm. different projects and everything like that but you know unfortunately Easy wasn't around for that and you know basically you know Bone like you said kind of like lost that momentum so it was almost, it was almost like a perfect storm as far as like things going downhill unfortunately yeah and to me though Bone helped to revive Ruthless because after the Dre fiasco almost everyone on Ruthless for the most part left and all easy was left with was yella ran and maybe a couple other acts that were still on the label doc was gone dre was gone eventually above the law and cold 187 are they all left every all of them left and easy had to go find another group to be able to help make ruthless a power player again and he went and found it and these five guys from cleveland these five rappers from cleveland with a style. And I really have to give Easy credit because when you lose an artist as big as Dre and also Ice Cube, and uh, you know, you're trying to make it through that era where Death Row was sort of running things, this is really what I think Bone helped to do to help save Ruthless altogether. So, credit to Easy for doing that, man. And shout out to Bone Thugs and Harmony as well. True. And now we get to the final test, the test of time to see whether we think what kind of classic it is. Is it a certified classic? Is it a borderline classic? Is it a classic just in its time, or is it not a classic at all? So, Jay, I'll ask you, what say you about East 199 Eternal? Uh, I'm going to have to say it's a classic. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, because, of course, like, we rock with, like, I mean, even though the subject matter may be tailored to a specific audience, but then, like, you know, Crossroads probably being one of the biggest selling songs ever was attributed to this album, and then along with that, like, you know, just like the fact that it was it was just an anticipation as far as like you know can they keep it going without easy being there yeah. guiding them so you no know, i just really think they brought that and delivered it along with the tracks themselves i mean just rolling so that you know the perfect mix of a certified classic so yeah i'm gonna have to agree with you and it's by hair i'm gonna say a certified classic because i think this is when you talk about groups and their albums and the work that people point to it's always creeping on to come up and it's always this joint right here And there aren't really a lot of lowlights. And, you know, to me, I think this is their best work that they've done as a full work, not just an EP. And it kind of just shows that to me, I think things slowly but surely started to roll downhill. And I thought that they had some momentum to be able to keep things going. But I think that the novelty rolled out wore off after a little bit but for this particular time and to see how it has transcended and to see the reaction that people have had to it since it's gotten its 25th anniversary i'm gonna say certified classic as well one of the things i do have to say though Mm -hmm. is that you know 
they kind of put help put Cleveland on the map too. Like just how we talked about Nelly and and with country grammar, they helped put Cleveland rap on the map because there were other people that came out from Northeast Ohio that we came to new many years afterwards. And shoot, now even their kids are rapping now. Bones kids are rapping and Lil Busy is actually an artist that works with Rashad Thomas. Rashad who works with Elevator Music who produced Stally's Lincoln Way Nights and uh, started his own label. But they helped put Cleveland on the map and really we weren't even thinking about that part of the Midwest until they came around and then yeah, all of a sudden not. we definitely started talking about them. Talking about East, East 99th Street and St. Clair that became household names inside of the hip hop community because it was because of Bone. True indeed. I mean, definitely. I mean, that was the other way in which you left their mark as far as putting Cleveland on. Because I wasn't thinking about Cleveland as like a hip hop hot spot. So not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Yeah, you're right. So East 1999 Eternal by Bone Thugs and Harmony. Please make sure you go check it out and stream it or buy it wherever you could stream or buy music. Go check it out and relive some of the best days, especially during those times during that glorious summer of 1995. Just a great summer for music, and this was one that was smack dab right in the middle of summer that made us think about good times. And the songs and the and the singles from here are going to be songs and singles that will go with us for years to come. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of the Vault. Please make sure you check us out on our host Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to the Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. You go to any one of our social media sites. You can check us out on our link tree and get any one of our streaming sources and also our host page and all of our other social media pages. You can get us on Instagram on at Vault CMR Podcast, on Twitter at Vault Classic. And on Facebook and YouTube, you can search the Vault Classic Music Reviews. You can get us there. Search us, subscribe, like, everything else. Keep up with us on social media. Keep interacting with us. We do it here all for you. We appreciate all the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend. And if you have that friend, make sure that they tell a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Peace. Thank you for listening and coming into the vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV creative and Instagram at I V E C R E eight. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc